Good morning, everybody. You are listening to Driving Theology, and this is Mike. And I am on my way to work this morning. Uh, <clears throat> lots going on in the world. Crazy stuff. Lots of lots of uh, unpleasantness with Ukraine and Russia. Um, I guess it's as good a time as ever to revisit uh, the concept of violence. Um, violence is a plague that's been in the earth uh, since the beginning of time, I suppose. And it's something that, that we continue uh, to perpetuate. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's a simple thing, right? It's 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 a complex complex problem uh, that I think arises uh, from some very very basic mistakes. I would say there are some very basic um, <clears throat> some very basic things that. Help us to continue to use violence to get what we want in the world. So I thought I'd kind of uh, explore some of these things. Um, what's happening in Ukraine right now, uh, though I'm sure it's much more complex than I understand it, it really looks like that Putin. <clears throat> is using violence to get what he wants, right? That, that's how he's going to do it. And, you know, this guy is one of the most powerful people in all of the world. You could argue that he has more power in his government. You know, if you take the top five uh, countries in the world, you could argue that Putin has more power in his government than than anybody else does, and it really seems like he has absolute power at this point. Uh, it doesn't seem like anybody is checking him in his own government. For example, you know, he's been in the news every day uh, for the last six days of this, uh, this war, and you never hear of another Russian voice. Not one inside Russia. You never hear of, you know, say, one of the other uh, Russian um, politicians who has a, an opposite voice. It's only Putin. And when you see pictures of Putin, it's almost always him by himself. Right? On his desk. Nobody's around him. Nobody is advising him. Uh, he, it's almost as if he doesn't trust other people to be around him at all. So he's always sitting by himself, um, and he is the sole um, autocratic leader of Russia, so it seems. Nonetheless, he is, you know, he's, he's one of the most powerful people on the planet, uh, and he has a huge military with... Uh, loads of weapons, including nuclear weapons, uh, at his fingertips, at his disposal. 
uh, and and he is showing that he's not afraid to use it no matter how much of the world is against him and right now I don't know of any country except Belarus and Belarus is basically a satellite or a puppet puppet state of Russia uh, I don't see any other countries um, getting on board with what Putin's doing they all seem to be on the side of Ukraine uh, but here's this guy who has made it to the top of his world, right? There is no position higher than what he has in Russia. Uh, and yet even he thinks that the best way to solve problems is through the use of violence or at least the threat of violence or both. That violence is how, uh, is how problems are solved. And, and that's, that's where he's at. Okay, that's, that's just the way he does business. But the problem is almost all countries would say, even if they don't use violence in the beginning, that there is a point where violence is necessary. Right? That we can only be pushed so far before we have to take drastic measures. And that would include war. Right? Uh, so whether, whether, you know, violence is your... Is your go-to um, knee-jerk reaction uh, or it's something that you concede eventually may be necessary uh, you believe that violence is a viable means to solve problems okay now let me preface this by saying that my knee-jerk knee reaction can be violence as well. Okay, so uh, what I want to say, I suppose, is that because of uh, so much sin in the world for so long, I'm not, uh, I'm not certain that... It's not the right, it's not, not the right phrase. Um, it might be that violence is in our very DNA by this time, right? Uh, and and I th I'm pretty sure that's true. And the reason I say that is because babies, when they want something, they take it. And they'll hit and scratch. And from the, from the earliest age that they're able to want something, they'll do whatever they can do to get it, whether it's screaming uh, and when they're able to move, then they'll take it, and they'll hit people, and they'll... Babies seem to be violent uh, as soon as they're able, right? Uh, naturally so. Uh, this, we have this um, coveted, covetous nature, covetous nature, right? We have this, this nature in us that wants what other people have. Uh, it's called by various things, depending on, you know how it manifests itself. Uh, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence is a, is a statement, is a, is a, a truism that uh, seems to be uh, proven right over and over that people always want what they don't have. Uh, once they have uh, what they didn't have, uh, that go, gets old and now they want what they don't have again. It's just, there's this uh, 
you know, perpetual state of uh, acquisition uh, and, and coveting, right, that we seem to go through. You know, I'm recording on this uh, little Zoom H1, H1N recorder. It's, it's the second Zoom I've had. Uh, I probably could have been recording all this time on my original Zoom, right? I didn't have to have this newer uh, model. But I saw it, and I was like, wow, maybe it's time for me to upgrade. You know, even though the other one still technically works, uh, I, I just thought, you know, wow, I don't have that one, and that one looks cool. It's new, it's shinier, it's, you know, uh, it's different. I want that one. And so I bought it. <laughs> this morning I'm on the internet and I see a new uh, little toy from the same from the same company the company is zoom and I don't know that zoom is connected with the uh, video conferencing software company or not uh, I've been using zoom recorders for probably 15 years something like that uh, but anyway that's just our nature right even though we have something uh, we want what we don't have, right? This is this is natural, right? We always want want what we don't have. We have this constant need for stuff, um, especially I would say in uh, the uh, Western world, and maybe because things have been so easy to acquire, and we are are wealthy. That um, that's why that's the case. Uh, I don't know, but. Anyway, all that to say that I think violence is in our nature. Okay, I don't, I don't think it's, it's something that we learn necessarily. I think it's the, the natural uh, outcome of us wanting something, wanting things that are shiny or colorful, um, uh, you know, sparkly or whatever. You know, and I'm not sure what the original desire was, it was probably food, you know, somebody else had food and we decided we wanted that food and a fight ensued. So violence has been the way that we get things done in the world for for some time, right? This is, uh, this is nothing new. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest uh, problem that existed uh, in, depending on how you look at it, the, wor the, the world before Noah, uh, the world that was destroyed by the flood, um, whether you think it was a myth or whatever, but basically what's pointed out there is they were violent, right? They were not, they were not kind to others. They, they, they were ultra-violent. And believe it or not, God detests violence. Even though violence has been attributed to God in the Old Testament time and time again, the God that we find in Jesus is averse to violence. He is against the use of force to solve problems, right? That's, that's not how Jesus came doing things. Now you can say, and everybody brings this one instance up, where Jesus cleared the temple, right? Jesus went into the temple. He saw that there were money changers there. They were selling the sacrificial animals, uh, presumably for a profit, which is against the law. And Jesus overturned the tables, and he made a whip out of rope and drove the animals out of the temple. The people that want to want to continue to believe in the system of violence 
and want to believe that violence is still okay, that war is still okay, which is the, I suppose, the largest, uh, largest manifestation of violence is war, I guess. Uh, the people that want to continue to believe that war is okay in some instances always bring up this thing. Well, Jesus made a whip and he turned over tables, right? And he did this and he did that. Okay, let's let's talk about that instance for a minute. Now, there are other, there are other perspectives. Uh, for example, I could say that, well, yes, he made a whip, right? Uh, but we don't know what kind of whip that was, right? We don't know if he actually struck people or animals with it. Uh, but whips were used mostly uh, as a thing to make sound to get the animals out, right? Uh, at best, it was it was the threat of violence. But let's let's think about what Jesus was doing here. Okay, and this is this is on a couple levels. Okay, I'm going to bring this up real quick. This is awesome. So, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 7, verse 22. Look it up and look at it in multiple versions uh, with the most popular versions first and then go to the older versions, uh, American Standard, King James, uh, New American Standard Words, Revised Standard Works, uh, any of the uh, literal translations, I think uh, uh, Wycliffe, Young, and all these. So, <clears throat> it talks about, okay, it's, Jeremiah is quoting God as saying, I did not command or instruct your fathers about anything concerning the sacrifices of animals. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, okay? Now, the newer translations put in the word just. I didn't just command you about sacrifices. But the older translations and the literal translations and the original Hebrew don't have a word just, right? This is all conjecture. And it's people who believe that God is okay to be violent, that God does do violence, and so they have to reconcile that scripture uh, with with how they believe the rest of the Bible should be read, and so they insert the word just. But that word just is not there. He says, I never commanded you to sacrifice animals back when I brought you out of Egypt. This is mind-blowing. Okay, this is like, what? Because... In the Torah, right? In the Torah, it specifically does say that God commanded the sacrifice of animals. But in several places in the prophets, God is quoted as saying, you know, I'm not pleased by your sacrifices. I don't want any more of your blood. You know, all of this sacrificing of animals is doing nothing, right? It does not please me. Uh... And, you know, to make a long story short, I think that, that the, the, the ancient Israelites before the time of Jeremiah, for example, were coming out of a pagan mindset where they believed that the gods and their god uh, as well needed to be appeased by blood and that he liked the smell of meat 
And that's how you made God happy. And God, for a time, I think, you know, just accepted what they were doing. Uh, but in time, he allowed us to see that violence is not the way. And he did that by allowing himself to suffer violently on the back end of all this violence that had been perpetuated down through the ages. Our violence and our violent ways and our insistence on using violence to to solve problems eventually killed God. And that was Jesus on the cross. Uh, I think that's one lesson we can learn from violence that, you know, uh, there are consequences to living a violent life. And most of the prophecies in the New Testament are also warnings against the Jews of his time violently opposing the Romans, right? They, they insisted on continually violently opposing the Romans, and Jesus uh, foresaw that eventually that the consequences of their violence against the Romans would lead you know, would, would would lead into violence of violence by the Romans against the Jews, which is what happened in AD 70 when the temple was destroyed and thousands upon thousands died uh, in the siege of Jerusalem. Uh, and so, let me just backtrack because I, I think I got off on a little bit of a tangent. Um, so the, the, the temple cleansing, okay, let's go back to that. Another layer of what was happening there was that whoever the Messiah was to be, he was expected to cleanse the temple, right? Because the temple was the center of uh, the worship of Yahweh for the Israelite people. And the temple from time to time would become corrupted and, and would need, need cleansing. And Jesus came and cleansed the temple Right, to show that he was the Messiah. That's one of the things that the Messiah was expected to do uh, as, you know, that's how people read the scriptures. And so Jesus came to do that. So whether or not Jesus was violent in that situation, uh, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to read that the way you're going to read it, right? If you, if you already believe in violence, then you're probably going to read it. Well, yes, Jesus used violence when he needed to, and therefore in Revelation, blah, 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 he's going to come back and he's going to, with a sword, you know, kill a bunch of people who didn't believe in him at the end of time. But if you're like me, who has finally laid down the sword and is attempting to, to pound my sword into plowshares, um, you're able to read the Bible in an entirely different way and from a different perspective. Um, so Jesus, yes, it, it does seem like maybe there was some emotion uh, involved in what he was doing there. But all we know is, is he was violent against tables. <laughs> we don't know that he touched anyone else. And even if he did, uh, you know, use a whip to, to drive out the animals, he was saving the animals' lives. This is overlooked, Right? He didn't kill anybody to save their lives. He put himself in harm's way to save their lives. If anything, he would have drawn the uh, ire, and he did draw the ire, uh, 
upon himself and the animals, uh, maybe many of them got away. We hope probably at least the birds got away. There are all kinds of animals that they would sell for sacrifices. Uh, and so this this is often overlooked, and people don't don't think about how many animals Jesus saved at that point. And what about this? You know, how many animals do you think have been sacrificed over the years to appease God? Even even Yahweh. Let's not even include the other gods. The millions of innocent animals' lives that have been uh, uh, sacrificed. Uh, my daughter is currently working on a project about animal euthanasia. And I think a lot of the reasons that we are so comfortable with euthanizing animals today, for many reasons, uh, is that we believe we came from a system where God created the system of animal sacrifice. And again, this, this comes from a, a flat reading of Scripture. A flat reading and a flat understanding of Scripture where... Uh, people believe that everything in scripture is literal and, and they believe it is um, what is the word down to the last detail true in a flat way right uh, they don't look for the deeper meanings as much as uh, look for patterns of behavior by God so that we can be justified in our patterns of behavior right uh and so we can continue our violent ways because we serve a God who believes that violence is an option. Okay. Uh, we haven't even gotten into yet what Jesus talked about as far as violence in the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthews chapter 5 through 7. Um, the big thing there, of course, is... Um, Love your enemies. He didn't say, he didn't say tolerate your enemies. Uh, he said love your enemies. And if your enemy strikes you, turn the other cheek. Right? Do not return evil for evil. But return good for evil. Right? That that alone, right? That alone, returning don't return evil for evil. But use good to pay back evil. If we just did that, if we just believed that was true in all circumstances, we could stop the the pattern of violence. Right? We could stop perpetuating violence. If everybody, when something bad happens to them, would just react in a good way. Now I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself here. I have dogs. I have dogs that are very unruly. <laughs> I've had three children. I'm a teacher. I teach kids constantly. And sometimes I have a knee-jerk reaction of anger, right? And of course, violence is the, the physical uh, manifestation of anger. Okay, so I, I really think probably we need to start there, right? Anger is a problem. Uh, violence comes out of anger and hate and fear, right? All of these things. Um, it's not going to be easy, 
But the good thing is, you don't have to worry about stopping Russia from being violent. That, that's not what you're called to do. You know, unless you're somebody like Joe Biden or somebody that has influence over those situations. You know, if you're just John Doe of Podunk, Oklahoma, you don't need to worry about that, right? What, what we need to worry about and be concerned about is our own violent situations, the violent situations that come up in our own lives uh, with our kids, with our animals, with our spouses, uh, with ourselves, um, with our, our co-workers, uh, with with the people on the road while we're driving, right? That's probably a big one. And that's where I've started um, myself, trying to be a kinder driver, you know, try trying to be. If you listen to this podcast, you know, there are some moments where I kind of, you know, uh, talk out against drivers because I don't know why. We, we feel so safe and comfortable inside our cars to the point where we sometimes yell out and scream and and call people all kinds of horrible things because we think we are anonymous inside of our vehicles. But this is exactly the right place to start, right? Uh, Start where nobody else even sees it, right? Try to be nicer there. And I think if you can find that place in your life where you can start being less angry and therefore less violent, even in your language, uh, I think you'll find that y- you will grow into being able to um, take that to other other places, other instances that are perhaps uh, more difficult. You, you have uh, more difficulty controlling yourself. Um, but step one, step one is kind of, you know, coming up with whatever mantra works for you um, where you say... This just came into my head, but there are a million ways. Violence is not the way. Violence is not the way. So many of the movies we watch from Star Wars to Lord of the Rings um, to, you know, the Marvel Universe movies. uh, It's really all about violence and using violence to solve the world's problems. But the way that they, the way that they present it is always that that violence was done to somebody else and we are stepping in to protect those people who cannot protect themselves, right? We are using violence, yes, but we're using it in a a humane way, right? We are we are trying to help people with our violence. We're not just using violence for the sake of violence. The problem is Figuring out what causes the problems is not that easy. You know, we're sitting here, the world is pointing their finger at Putin. And uh, I have too. I don't like what he's done. Uh, I'll just put that out there. Um, But here's the problem. Putin did not show up. You know, he, he does not live in a vacuum. He has lived in a world, in an environment... Uh, and things have been done to him and his country and his countrymen. Uh, and from his perspective, he is justified in what he's doing. Right? 
he feels that he is justified in what he's doing, right? That's his perspective. Uh, what he is doing from his perspective is just because of the world we live in, which in large part is ruled by violence. Somebody has got to stop the cycle. Somebody's got to to stop the cycle. They 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 got to decide that you know what? Hey, we're going to diverge uh, from this stream, this this cyclical stream that keeps coming around again and again. And this time we're gonna we're gonna think of another way out. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna you know it's sort of like uh, poker. I see your violence, and I raise you understanding. I'm going to try to understand why you're trying to be violent against me. I'm going to seek first to understand. I want to know how your perspective is different from my perspective. And I want to try to understand it. Right? And so my first reaction is not going to be to puff up my chest and to threaten you right back. My first reaction, I've decided... Uh, is going to be to try to understand what's going on here. Okay, I want to understand the deeper problem. The world is not full of people who do this. The world is not full of people who do this. Right? The whole world should, should just put on their thinking caps right now. Listen to what Putin is saying. Right? Listen to what he's really saying, what really is bothering him, and try to figure out how we are culpable. Right? Find out where we are guilty, what we have done, or what our countries have done, or what our predecessors have done to create this situation. And then try best we can to alleviate that pressure from our standpoint. Now there is, of course, you know, if something happens so suddenly that we didn't see coming, there, there's, that's one thing. But most of these things have festered and festered, and we have decided not to face the problem. And so at one point, it ruptures, right? And it's a big problem. And now... Uh, because we waited so long, the effect it has on the health of the world is big, right? Whereas, had we have been communicating all along and trying to listen to each other more, things might not have gotten out of hand. There are, I suppose, exceptions to this. Uh, I'm not sure Hitler could have been appeased. I'm not sure. Maybe he could have. But I'm not sure uh, that any amount of listening would have helped uh, Hitler change his, his views. He may have been a sociopath. That's, that's quite possible, right? Uh, so, yeah, th there may be there may be times where where something comes on so suddenly that that to to save innocent people we may want to stand in the gap, so to speak. Right, stand in the gap. But standing in the gap, to me, 
is what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus stood in the gap and he took he took the violence meant for us onto himself. I want to say right now, I don't believe that violence was coming from God. That's not what I believe happened there. I, I believe, and I've said this before, that the wrath of God in the Bible and all through the Old and New Testament is actually code for the natural consequences of our own violent ways. I'm not sure you can separate sin from violence. I'm pretty sure sin is violence. Violence is sin on some uh, some level. So I think, yeah, there may be a time that you want to stand in the gap, that you may want to act swiftly to protect harm coming to others. But there's a difference uh, in standing in the gap with your hands up and standing in the gap uh, with a gun in your hand. There's a big difference, right? Um, and the, the whole problem is without trying to understand why the person is there attacking in the first place, we have no just cause to stand in his way, right? At least on an earthly standpoint, right? Because we don't know why he's there. We don't know what has been done to him. Uh, we don't know what has caused him to become so violent, right? Now, yes, you can say, well, that's why we have laws, right? Laws are there to make it fair for everybody. Right, that anybody who is who is violent uh, in you know such and such a way, uh, no matter who you are, will get in some trouble. Right, and I get that laws laws are there to protect the innocent. Right, I suppose, but you're not going to stop the cycle of violence without trying to understand the violent person. Right, uh, and nine times out of ten. There are a lot of people who are guilty for the violence that the one does, right? Uh, whether, you know, if it's on a one-on-one -on -one level, it's, the, you know, the parents, teachers, environment, uh, the environment that the kid grew up in, whatever, it can cause, make a violent person, right? If he was never taught love or shown love. Um... So yeah, I somebody has got to slow down and take the time to figure out exactly why Putin is doing what he's doing and try to see things from his perspective. And maybe then we can figure out an, another solution, right? Um but thousands have probably died by now. Thousands in this six-day war. Uh, and things uh, seem to be escalating, uh, not de-escalating. Yeah, so I, I really think that understanding uh, is really where the game is, right? That That's what we should be trying to do, trying to understand what And then to love each other to the point where those hurts are gone. It's not going to be possible in every situation. I understand that. It may not be possible 
to uh, redeem Putin at this point. Maybe he's too far gone. I don't know that that's the case. I'm just saying I don't know that that's not possible. Maybe some people are too far gone. Maybe there's no way. But I do know that the that attempting to do so, the very attempt, gets attention. What Jesus did, what Jesus did, got attention. Right? It it rocked the world to the point where even today, more than two thousand years later, nearly two thousand years later, we are still trying to figure out just what Jesus accomplished on the cross. You know, he was a nobody who was labeled a criminal and died a criminal's death. He really wasn't anybody special. He was a teacher in a very localized place. He never probably left, uh, probably never even roamed more than a couple hundred miles from his home. It's not like he traveled the world or you know, got his uh, message out on Instagram or, uh, you know, had a blog or a TV show or, you know, anything like that. But what he did in standing in the gap, trying to save us from the consequences of our own sins, what he did there got the attention of people and continues to grab the attention of people for years to come. And I believe that it has made the world a better place because he decided to stand in the gap as opposed to perpetuate violence, right? As opposed to continue in violent ways. Um, you can't underestimate the effect that your refusal to participate in the system of violence cannot, you cannot, you cannot, I cannot, I cannot say cannot, you cannot overestimate the effect that your refusal to participate in the system of, of violence will have. That's what I meant to say. Well, I am at my place of work. I'm going to have to mask up here. Of course, as we all do these days. Uh, yeah, so I can't encourage you enough to start finding the places where maybe you, you allow violence to happen in your life and to start working there. Uh, and start small, dude. You're not going to have success unless you start small. Violence, somehow it, it takes hold in our our minds and our hearts uh, in a way that somehow we feel good when we're violent, right? There's something, a rush, rush of adrenaline or whatever, you know. Uh, for some reason, when we are violent, we feel like we are justified, at least immediately so. I think that dies down after we see the, the effects of our violence often. But, uh, yeah, I hope that you will protest that you will protest the system of violence, uh, that you will protest the very thought that violence is a viable way uh, to solve problems in the world. We, that's what we should be protesting. Um, 
And somebody has to jump out of the cycle. Somebody's got to jump off the bike. I know that's not what cycle means, but that's all I can think of. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace.